0: Today, Laura Babcock would have been 29, her birthday falling, of course, on the very same day as a sentence hearing for the men who killed her. Both Della Millard and Mark Smitch have been convicted with Laura's murder back in December, and today their sentence hearing started discussing whether or not they will be sentenced consecutively or a non-concurrent non-con- a sentence. So that's when... We'll see whether they serve both sentences at the same time or they will be sentenced under new laws, which would allow them to serve the Babcock sentence after the Tim Bosma sentence. The Crown argued that both men deserve every second that they are locked up, never once, of course, giving a thought to the thrill killing. But it was Della Millard's lawyer who pointed out that Millard, if he's given a consecutive sentence, that's just too harsh because after all, Millard should have apparently some light at the end of the long tunnel that he is about to embark on. Yeah, okay. Tim Bosma and Laura Bobcock did not get that light at the end of the tunnel. I thought that was a very curious statement. But let's bring Anne Brocklehurst into this story because she was my seatmate in the first trial of Tim Bosma. She has followed both trials. And you can read about her findings in the book Dark Ambition, which was written on the Tim Bosma trial, but certainly sheds light on what uh, we have heard with Laura Bobcock. Hello, Anne. Hi, Alex. What was your big takeaway today? How were the accused uh, as far as body language versus, you know, the families that came in?
1: They were both very non-demonstrative today. Uh, Millard sometimes looks around the courtroom, but today he was very subdued. So they were sitting there in the prisoner's box, stone-faced throughout, uh, mostly listening.
0: Did they react at all? I know the Babcock family got a chance to read their victim impact statement. Did they have any reaction?
1: Well, actually, Jill Cameron, the uh, Crown Prosecutor who led this case, read um, the victim statement for the immediate family, Laura's parents and her brother, and then Laura's aunt um, got up and and read her very short um, statement. Um, You know, obviously they were too upset the the immediate, Laura's immediate family to read their own statement. And at one point I saw her father dabbing his eyes with a a tissue at some of the things that were being said. So it was a long day, very emotional. Sure.
0: Yeah, certainly on your daughter's birthday. I can't even imagine what that has been like because... You know, a lot of people ask me about the cases and the one takeaway from me and your takeaway may be different, but Laura Babcock was really kind of put to the side. She was not tangible for anyone to understand or see. Like Tim Bosma had this wonderful wife and child and, you know, family and, you know, he was so easy to love. Whereas Laura Babcock was troubled. She was 23. She was going through some real issues, hanging out with the wrong people. She had taken the wrong road. And I think, you know, that's kind of how she was cast. So she didn't get the empathy.
1: In a way, though, I think that the trial changed that. I think Laura came across as incredibly human in spite of all the problems she had. And you saw this parade of people who loved her, her friends, her family. And she came across as really human, troubled but human. So in a way, this trial actually brought her to life, Mm -hmm. perhaps in a way that people hadn't understood before it. So there was that small element of comfort that came out of a horrible trial
0: yeah I, te- I tend to agree with you after the fact uh on that interestingly sean uh, lerner the boyfriend of laura babcock or ex- an ex boyfriend who cared enough about her uh to report to police to really put this on the radar that you've got to look into these two guys or this guy delin millard and he was essentially blown off he had written a victim impact statement but i understand it was not allowed in in as a, an admission
1: No, there are certain guidelines for these victim impact statements, and I think he must have crossed those guidelines because um, the statements were, his statement was deemed inappropriate and removed. Um, You know, I suspect that this might've been a way of getting something off his chest that he's held in for a very long time. I'm sure that if he had wanted to adhere to the guidelines, he could have. So Maybe this was a sort of protest on his part.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I always hate that about the victim impact statements. They're so controlled and those who have to read them have to really stay, as you say, within the guidelines, which means that they don't actually truly get to say uh, maybe what's on the top of their mind. Um, but clearly, what was that issue today for these men? It was was the way that they will be sentenced and you know, for Mr. Pele to be kind of talking about that, Mr. Millard, you know, he should have some hope. I find that a very bizarre statement.
1: So the issue was, is it, should their sentences be served consecutively or concurrently, which is relatively new in yep. Canadian law. This was something that came in under the Harper government. So there are not that many precedents. And what's different about this case is that it was two separate trials. So we're talking about Um, serving sentences from two separate trials, whereas in the other cases, it's been multiple murders, but they've been dealt with at one trial. So there's a lot of um, stuff, for lack of a better word, that isn't 100% clear legally. So Mm -hmm. in a way, the judge is in uncharted territory. So I think he wanted to hear about everything. Now, Pillay's big argument was that he couldn't um, use the facts from the Bosma trial in determining sentencing at this one. That's a legal argument. That's Pillay's interpretation. It's mm-hmm. not at all clear that the judge will share it. Certainly the Crown didn't share it. Um, nor yeah. nor would
0: anybody with a, an actual brain in their head. But But... You know, uh, look, I, I find it um, we're talking about someone who is going to go on trial for a third uh, charge of first degree murder in connection with the death of his father. Um, so and that obviously cannot be brought in to weigh this.
1: The, no. And I, I yeah. think the question here is, I mean, I think they're well, not the defense lawyers, but I think the judge acknowledged that, um these were two separate crimes and it's not at all your average murder case if there is an average murder case. Um, But I think what sometimes judges and lawyers worry about in these um, situations is that we don't want to take away the discretion of someone to decide something in the future. So the point was made several times that... Even if what's decided eventually is that they serve these sentences concurrently, even though a life sentence is 25 years, it's just not so that Millard and or Smitch would walk out after 25 years. They only become eligible yeah. for parole at that point, and you know the parole board could easily deny it to them. But uh, Paul Bernardo, Robert Picton, those guys aren't serving. Consecutive sentences, but they're not going anywhere. So it is complicated, and there there are a lot of factors to consider. And I, I really, after today, I have no idea which way the judge is going to come down.
0: Yeah, I, I don't even try to guess because it's difficult. It'll be interesting to see if how he views Smitch versus Millard, because, you know, they're two very different guys, but they're both equal heinous, just in different ways. I found Smitch always was very uh, manipulative, because when we would see him in court, he was all nicely dressed and playing the quiet guy, because, of course, he was a victim, too, whereas Millard was just so much more emotional motive and easy to read but that's why he gets most of the attention um and, and as we saw in this particular case the jury uh with Smitch uh were almost split down the line I think it was five to seven of 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 which kind of sentence he should be given whereas Della Millard was overwhelming you know all 12 said uh you know he should get a consecutive
1: well just to clarify yeah. no one recommended Smith should get concurrent no, it's that five said consecutive, and seven had no recommendation. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Smitch is uh, a bad guy in his own way. I have to admit, I was surprised to, by the judge today. I, I, I definitely called it wrong. I thought that he would either go consecutive for both or concurrent for both. So I was very surprised to see him sort of. Measuring up Smitch and trying to determine if Smitch was as bad as Millard. Yeah. But then maybe that's my personal prejudice because, like you, I i, I, I don't in any way feel Smitch was a dupe. He was a completely oh, willing no. participant. And in some ways, I mean, he's the guy who at the Bosma trial got up there and sat in the mm-hmm. witness box and lied through his teeth when Millard didn't have the uh, spine to do it. So, in some ways, Smitch is tougher.
0: Yeah, they're they both have uh, equally hateable things about them. Very different, but just yeah, neither one of them comes up smelling like anything other than what they are, which is manure. Uh, well, Anne, thank you very much. Appreciate the insight. You are welcome. If you want to read more on um, Dellen Millard and Mark Smith and get a really good taste of, of who these guys are, Anne wrote "Dark Ambitions," which you can still get, obviously. Uh, online and at bookstores. But uh, she knows these cases inside and out. And I suspect she will hopefully cover the third trial uh, of William Millard with me.